The 28-year-old Kiwi has sustained the pressure. Scott McLaughlin, he's got 56 supercar wins. Whatever you got here. To the he is now an IndyCar go, race winner. From pole to victory lane, Scott McLaughlin does it. This is a weekend to remember for his IndyCar career. Scott McLaughlin of Team Penske add him to the winner's list. No, I think this is top three moment of my life. Uh, I'm not going to rank them, but they are. <laughs> Bathurst, no, I can't say that because my wife would be mad. Um, no, top four. My, my wedding. <laughs> my, my marriage. <laughs> um, Bathurst 1000 victory, my first championship and uh, in supercars and then my first victory in IndyCar. And to win on both sides of the world is pretty cool. And um, you know, my phone is absolutely going ballistic in my pocket right now and I can't wait to respond to a lot of the messages. Welcome to Inside Motorsport. It is a great pleasure we uh, are talking with a man who is probably more joyous than most in these parts of the world, that being Chris Jewell, the now ex-manager of Scotty McLaughlin, who today knocked the socks off many of his countrymen in New Zealand and many of the people who would like to be his countrymen in Australia. Chris, it was a wonderful, wonderful thing that happened. Yeah, it was. It was uh, great to see Scott have his first IndyCar win. Um, on the streets of St. Petersburg, and I don't think it'll be the last, to be honest. You know how these things tend to go, Tony. You you break your duck, and uh, and a few tend to flow on thereafter. Or admittedly, it is a pretty tough championship to crack, and a tough place to have a race win because the cars are so equally uh, matched. But no, it was fantastic for him to get off to a, a perfect start in the season. And sometimes you score your first pole, and it ends in disappointment. Well, it certainly didn't for Scott. So good on him. Unexpected, I think. You know, like I felt like I, you, you back yourself, but it's, it's we in our pre-event we said top seven. You know, if we can come out of here with a solid top seven, and obviously the goals changed last night, but it was just phenomenal the way that the car had rolled out of the truck, and I felt like I could really do what I wanted to do with the car from the get-go. And what that does is for confidence as a race driver is something that's it, it just feels very special. And I knew halfway through that race that you know it was somewhat you know a bad yellow or something was really going to affect us we knew that we were going to fight there the whole way and I just had to keep calm and control the race myself and and I felt like we did that until obviously the back markers made it pretty exciting which would have been great for everyone at home but not for me um but it was just a phenomenal weekend um perseverance it's just you just don't give up you, you don't you don't doubt yourself I knew I could do it I'd last night I had a great sleep because I just said to myself you know I've done this before. It's just I did it with a roof on my head. <laughs> so now it's just a matter of just feeling it and seeing what I had today. And look, I had a great, great start. Got into it. Got into a rhythm, and away we went. So I'm very proud. Great for Dex Imaging. You know, it's their home race. Team Chevy gave us an awesome fuel mileage and, and drivability, as we've said all weekend. Incredible thing, of course, that last year his best qualifying was a fifth. Uh, his best race finish was a podium. And uh, he has demonstrated this year that uh, clearly the thing that he said that he needed to do, and that was pick his qualifying up. And boy, did he do that. Yeah, it was interesting because I, I keep a pretty close eye on all things open wheel um, overseas this time of the year. And I was reading the same report that you'd have been uh, referring to when he talked about the importance of qualifying and how well he always qualified in supercars championship world. Uh, but it was strange. He, he didn't ever 
have a pole position in the Dunlop series. And a couple of times he was within a couple of hundreds and he used to say to me, God, when will I ever get a pole? Yet he could almost do it by habit in a supercar. So, yeah, it was good to see that he uh, he actually did string it together because it is a qualifying category, I guess, to a certain extent, but probably not so much so as it is in supercars because strategies and yellow flag, caution periods, etc can almost give anybody anywhere in the field a chance to win at any time in IndyCar, such as the competitiveness of the field. But um, I think he'll be, uh, be cock-a-hoop and full of confidence right now. This was a lot of the, what I learned in the last year, what, you know, you know, in and out laps, being comfortable on cold tyres, you know, setting my anti-roll bars so, you know, I felt comfortable on the newer tyre and, and then resetting it, using my push to pass. You know, that was... You know, I felt like last year really led me up to this moment. Um, I wouldn't say it was the hardest lap of my career or hardest stint, but it was um, probably very um, up and down, <laughs> probably the most up and down stint I've had in race in my career. Well, back in 2008, Chris, you got Scott McLaughlin into your management team and was working with him through the Brightech Motorsport Scholarship. How did he get onto your radar? Yeah, um, I was doing a lot of work with Greg Murphy in the early 2000 with his career cup program and I was heavily involved in Tasman Motorsport and through the Hamilton Kart Club, uh, Greg had met uh, Wayne McLaughlin and Diane McLaughlin and Scott as a youngster and they were moving to Melbourne with the business uh, that the father put together over in New Zealand, uh, which is a smallish trucking company, which turned into a very big trucking company and uh, I met Scott at a barbecue at, uh, at Kevin Murphy, Greg's father's place and uh, Wayne pestered me for quite a while to get involved with Scott when he was in carts and I was GM of Brightech at the time so I really couldn't do much directly. Um, when the opportunity for the Brightech scholarship started, we had a, two or three Formula 4 drivers being run by Bruin Beasley's uh, team and Scott was our carter and he was more than happy as we had to paint the cart in the colours of Fujitsu and he learned quite a lot working in the business at different race meetings when he had time to do so. I can still remember him doing a lap board at Bathurst in a pair of shorts as a 15-year-old in the 1000 and me actually having the reining back in from across pit lane because you're not allowed out on pit wall in a pair of shorts. So, um, yeah, it was a, a, a good start. And then when Brightech largely wound up at the end of 2008, albeit it existed for another year under auspices of Stone Brothers Racing fielding the car, um, the first client I actually took on board uh, was Scott because I had the freedom to do so and uh, and we started to develop the career path thereafter and the rest, they say, is history, at least for the five or six years it might have been, I think, that I had a direct involvement with him, but it was great to see the, the transition he made from um, cars to supercars and then onward upwards from there. I felt like at the start I was like, oh, this feels like how it used to not, not long ago, but um, it was very uh, nice at the start being able to control my pace, especially against Herder, who was very quick, and I knew I had had his pace on the reds. Um, it was just a matter of hitting my fuel number, which we were doing from the start of the race. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we just got into a rhythm, and then even when the yellow flag came out and we were back in the traffic there, it was just about me just knowing that Hopefully, if there's no yellows, we're on the preferred strategy, which we were, and it was about bringing it home. And just for me, it's all about just keeping calm. Um, you know, effectively, you're the leader. It's just about you know not making anything, any rash decisions. Make a move if you can make it, but if if not, just um, relax and count the laps down. One of the staggering things that I so vividly remember about meeting him in 2008 at Hamilton, the inaugural race meeting at that city track, was 
his enthusiasm. He had the same boyish charm, the same sort of doggy, puppy-like uh, enthusiasm that Craig Lowndes portrayed back in the uh, early 90s when I met him for the first time. And, you know, it was that in, uh, unbridled enthusiasm that was just so intoxicating. He clearly um, showed that. And, of course, there was that great time in 2012 when he made his debut in Gary Rogers' car at uh, when Alex Bremer uh, was uh, stepped aside because he wasn't well at uh, Homebush. Um, that was an extraordinary meeting, wasn't it? Yeah, that was the day of his championship win, and uh, as as you probably recall, I was I was the supercars commentator back in those days, and it was always very difficult to commentate a race uh, of anyone when they were leading if they were in your client roster, and it didn't happen on many occasions. But commentating uh, his race wins during the course of his championship year in the Dunlop Series, and then ultimately his uh, his first supercar win. Um, the following year on the streets of the Grand Prix before he did it again in New Zealand, it was very hard to maintain your composure without pun- punching your fist in the air, even though you're meant to be unilaterally unbiased for any of the drivers in the field. It was pretty difficult when you had one on your books that had, uh, had realised a lifelong ambition. And that New Zealand win, um, yeah, that just that, to me, that's the greatest moment I've had um, or at least equal greatest moment I've had in any association I've had with a racing driver. And I've probably have to group the two Greg Murphy Bathurst wins and that win of Scott's um, at Pukekohe as being my three major highlights of, uh, of involvement. Well, Pukekohe, I lived 15 minutes from that track, so it's a little bit different. So I had a lot of friends and family. Um, that was crazy, but um, sort of went in there one day, not, no one knew who I was, and then the next day I had to have security come in so and help me get out. So it was crazy. And today is the same. Like, I've, you know, I'm very just – it's just surreal, man. I, I, it, there's no comparison, but at the same time, the relief and the, and uh, I guess the belief that you have in, in yourself, and it just feels like it's just, it's just surreal. I, I don't I have no words, man. It's just, it's crazy. Same sort of feeling, not at home, fun. What do you do when you're looking? I've had a, I've had a number of very, very well credentialed people say to me, a kid can be in go-karts all you like, but I couldn't tell you if he was going to be a great driver. What could you see in Scott McLaughlin and what do you look for in a young driver that sort of twigs that they could be the one, the next big thing? Yeah, it was, it's, it was pretty easy to get a read back in that, that period because carving was quite a simple thing to actually monitor. There were less classes, less less different uh, categories or or, uh, or or promoted um, programs. And, you know, you had the, the state titles and the national titles. The Rotax uh, Pro Tour hadn't really uh, seen the light of day in any big way then. But, look, I think the commitment is the one thing that, that really is important. And we all know now that in sport, regardless of the sport you choose to pursue, it's more than just being talented at that chosen art. There's a lot of thinking involved. There's a lot of thought process, you know, psychological planning, uh, process control. Fitness has just become massive in, in all sports now. You, you, you don't even, you don't see fat golfers anymore. Uh, they all do all the right things to make themselves complete. And I think Scott's enthusiasm was, was very strong, as Tony made mention of. He was a very competitive carter and raced very regularly. I think he was doing upwards of 30 meetings per year. But his dad used to have a mandate that if he didn't get greater than a C-plus or a B-minus in school, that he wasn't going to be able to continue racing. So I think the whole 
uh, upbringing of Scott from a disciplinarian perspective, because Wayne's a fairly firm-handed father, as many are, and and I guess the doggedness that he showed in his business life rubbed off on Scott, and I think he's a pretty good combination of you know, his mum and his dad's attributes, and without you not know, necessarily saying he isn't his own person, because he is. My mum and dad... They were the ones that got me here and, and, and made me believe myself. My mum and dad have been infatuated with the USA for uh, many years and, and I guess that put the love of USA and the want to come over here into the big leagues. Um, when I was a young kid, even way before my supercar success, and then um, obviously I met a, just a guy named Roger Penske and uh, we, uh, we kicked it off and I'm tremendously grateful for the position my mum and dad put me in and then the, the position that Roger and Tim Sindrick put me in. Um, yeah, it was, it's a, a whole com- complex component of items, and the personality was the one again that struck me. But the personality without success, you know, was never going to see the opportunities uh, that had sat before Scott. But I'm never going to say about Scott or any driver I've, I've worked with at a very young age, because I think he was only about 14, 15 at the time when I started looking after him. They're not ready-made. I mean, I, I would never have believed that he would go on to amass the success he did. I'm really happy that he has, and I always knew he'd be pretty competitive. But when I first sold him to Fujitsu um, and got naming rights sponsorship of his then Dunlop Series car, uh, I, I started putting a document together to say he was the next Craig Lowndes, and I actually changed it, and the front of the PowerPoint document said, He's the first Scott McLaughlin. <laughs> so it actually worked out really well from that perspective. I, I can't believe that he's gone on and had the success he's had, uh, but it's not a surprise based on what I saw him develop into uh, even after I was involved with him with all the people in his corner and many other people who've done a lot of good things with him. It's, um, yeah, it, he certainly worked very hard hard for what he's achieved. The way that I've worked with Ben Bretzman, my new engineer, I think we can really start a... Uh, a you know, work on what we need. We know what we want from a street circuit car, which we, we just showed that it's going to be pretty good. So I'm excited for Long Beach um, and heading back there for the second time. Um, but I'm, I'm not kidding myself. You know, I could quite easily be 20th next round. You know, it's just, this is what IndyCar is all about. This is why everyone loves it, why it's becoming the world's most competitive motorsport series, you know, and proud to be a part of it. Um, but it's all about now celebrate this i'll have a few beers don't you worry about that but i'll i'll uh, make sure that i get back on the horse i'm actually on the simulator back on wednesday and gotta get ready for texas and then we'll get ready for what's ahead in long beach and a few things but it's gonna be hard but you know i'm there it's probably worthwhile just uh momentarily looking back on that because from when he won that dunlop series in 2012 driving a stone brothers car he then went on to be in the top 10 every year in the eight years he was in the Supercar Championship. He started his first championship year in 2013, he was 10th. Then 5th, 8th, 3rd, 2nd, and then those three consecutive wins. You know, yes, there's a lot of people who say, oh, 2017, he should have won. Yes, of course he should have. And he'd go back now and say, you know, yes, I did some things wrong. And he admitted that at the time. But the one thing you come away with is that, by crikey, he's made his mark and everything he's done. And today's win, following getting pole position, it, it, you know, is an extraordinary thing. And I, I don't think in this country that we're fully aware of, well, IndyCar is not the thing that it was 20 years ago or even 10 years ago. It's still a very big series, the largest open-wheel series in North America. And for Scotty to have gone there, he has replayed, repaid every cent that... Uh, Roger Penske has invested in him. You'd have to think uh, 
he's uh, destined to be a, a real contender all season, wouldn't you, Chris? Yeah, it's for me, IndyCar, what won the championship last year was a 7.1 average race result. So for me, it's just I want to finish top 10 every race, top eight every race, and if I can do that, I know I'm going to be there or thereabouts towards the end of the season. And when we can win races like we did today, um, you know, that's you know exactly what we've got to do. We've got to capitalize on those. But like I said, we've got to we've got to just not rest on this one win. Like this is all about just you know get going and and, and let's um and and let's keep the momentum up. And, and regardless, when we can when we've got a fourth place car, we take a fourth place. When we've got a tenth place, we take the tenth. We can win a race. We capitalize. So um that's that's the plan this year. Yeah, you think so? I mean, I, I think it's having a bit of a. Uh renaissance isn't it IndyCar um, you know there's a lot of uh, European drivers have found their way across into the category and very talented drivers they are as well you know, the reigning champion Alex Plough you know he, he did a fantastic job last year and that's the driver that Scott held off this morning and having been involved and, and, and attended a number of IndyCar events uh, over the last 15 years uh, it, it's competitive it is uber competitive it really is and yeah you can liken it to GP2 in some ways but I think it's better than that because it's much more complex. You've got longer races, you've got pit stops involved, etc. Um, I know GP, uh, F2 do pit stops as well, but it, you know these races go for a long time. Fitness is important. The, the cars are hard to drive. They've got heavy steering. Um, they don't have a lot of mod cons in them. So no, it, it's, it certainly is a, a massive achievement. And I think you're right, Tony. Like even when um, Will Power won the Indy 500, I don't think it got the true recognition it should get back here in Australia. But and New Zealand for that matter, but I, I hope that it starts to um, penetrate, you know, the gaze of, of a lot of people. I've, I've been interested to see if it makes the nightly news tonight, and I've heard a couple of mentions of it on the radio today and on a number of other um, news sources. So clearly word has got around, but, um, no, it's, it's a big deal. This is a big deal, and you're right. Uh, Roger Penske will be paying him handsomely to do the job, and I'd be pretty convinced there's a bonus scheme attached to his remuneration, so he might have just had a pretty good windfall. Look, it's it's a great monkey off the bat, back, and it puts us in uh, a tremendous uh, confidence booster as a team, but like I said, we're not kidding ourselves. We've got to keep working, keep working harder, because all the teams are going to come back at us strong, and you look at Ganassi, they're probably not amazing in qualifying, but they were very fast in the race today and pushed me to the no end and passed a few cars, so... Um, yeah, I'm, I'm knocking myself. Just keep pushing on and, and we'll be okay. Chris, I, I hope you uh, in, have an enjoyable beer or whatever it is tonight that you do. I know you've got a big week coming up because you're at Sydney Motorsport Park as commercial manager of the whole six-foot operation. And boy, you've got another four-car field on your hand. Uh, enjoy this, this day and the rest of the days ahead. We look forward to catching up in person with you. Thank you very much for joining us, Chris Jewell, again on Inside Motorsport. No problem, my pleasure. Inside Motorsport is produced by Thunder Media for the Community Radio Network.